1: We can't escape seeing all of the people coming to the rescue these days, whether it's the doctors, nurses, and other hospital staff on the front line, or grocery clerks, postal workers, and the folks fulfilling orders at Amazon. There are so many people making an impact in this important time. I'm Patrice Socora with Laura Gregg and David Partain of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds. In this Flexible Advisor podcast, they look at the financial advisory community and the people helping everyone through this. Before COVID-19, did you have an adequate stress-tested business resiliency plan in place? For those advisors that did, while still uncomfortable, the transition to running a fully remote business was much easier than for those firms that needed to put it together on the fly. As states begin to slowly lift restrictions, now is the time to put a back to the office resiliency plan in place. It is unlikely that the idea of business as usual will look as it did pre-COVID-19. There are a myriad of new variables that must be considered for a smooth transition.
2: David, you are so right, and I'm thrilled because today we will be speaking with Kelly Cruz, who is the principal and founder of Cruz Consulting Group, about just that, about how advisors should start thinking about, and importantly, planning for before opening their doors. Kelly is a friend of the Flexible Advisor podcast and was actually one of our first guests, joining us just as the states had actually begun enacting their stay-at-home orders. And in that episode, she shared ideas for effectively managing a newly remote staff. And today, we'll be talking about planning to return to the office. Just a little bit about Kelly, prior to starting her business. She founded the Investment News Advisor Solutions and oversaw advisor consulting engagements in the Investment News Moss Adams Research Studies. Kelly was also a director in advisor services at Charles Schwab, where she pioneered the industry's first human capital practice management program for the RIA advisory firm program. She's held a variety of management positions at Wells Fargo, too including managing human resources for the private client services group. In that role, she served as the chair of the Sales Incentive Compensation Committee, spearheading efforts to create comprehensive sales incentive compensation plans for investment professionals. And through her human capital consulting engagements, she helped firms with their organizational design, compensation planning, performance management, and succession planning. Kelly's very busy because she's also a frequent speaker at national industry conferences and a regular columnist for financial planning on practice management-related topics. Kelly, thank you for joining us on what almost seems like a topic that brings us full circle to where we started about five or six weeks ago, from adjusting and managing newly remote teams to where we are today, discussing how to plan for a return to the office.
3: It's great to be here and and thanks for having me back. And it it is kind of remarkable to think about that it just seems like yesterday we were all grappling with how to work remotely and now here we are thinking about that phase one of returning to work. It's a pleasure to be here and I'm excited to talk about this today.
2: Thank you. I mean, we put some time into this before today, of course, as we always do. And when we were discussing how to approach this, I think we we came up with the idea of there should be maybe a list of five things that advisors can take action. And as we started really diving into those five things, we realized that that was probably going to be five episodes' worth of content. So we found out pretty quickly that there are no shortage of items that advisors really need to consider as they think about opening their physical offices up. We can't cover them all today, but let's dive in and talk about some of the most critical and that is keeping your office healthy and how and when to bring your staff back to work. Kelly, tell us about what your thoughts are around potential safety concerns for advisory firms and what are the first things that advisors uh, should think about before they have employees come back to the office?
3: First and foremost, this is an exciting phase. I know it's it's filled with lots of questions, concerns, but we are getting back to I don't know if it's where we once were, but everybody's wanting to sort of get back to being out of their homes, being able to carry on the life that they were leading before. So there's going to be changes to that. But I think we want to we want to start off by saying this is this is an exciting Time and we've learned a lot while working remotely, and, and we want to take that learning and apply it into what I'm going to call phase one, if you will, of kind of re entry or, or back to work. Exciting phase, let's start with that. You know, the best place to start is just what you're saying, Laura, is you need to assess your workplace, and and you're going to be looking at the workplace through a different lens now. It's really one that says, how many people can I accommodate? How many employees can I accommodate? And several of the firms that I'm working with right now are saying phase one is employees back, no clients. Let's get this dialed in and figured out before we add the layer of face-to-face meeting with clients. And I think that that rule, if we want to think of it that way, will be fairly easy to implement because I doubt most clients are going to be wanting to jump in their cars and come to your offices, but they might because people are itching to get out. I joke and say, I've never had my husband volunteer so many times to go to the market and do shopping for me. You want to think about that as phase one. Are you going to allow cl- clients back in? And I would recommend let's focus on employees first. And what do you need to do to accommodate? a safe and healthy work environment for them. One idea that I'm working with folks around is, what's your capacities? First and foremost, what's the capacity look like? And a lot of firms are starting with 50%. 50% of their employee population can come back, potentially. Kelly, Kelly, can I interrupt you
2: with that, that 50%? Is that, because that's just what they have space for? Assuming
3: they're making larger workspaces or, what's that 50%, um, what's the rationale behind that? Exactly, Great, great question. That's a place to start. Think about 50% and can you then, to your point, accommodate that? A lot of firms have private offices and cubicles, not a lot of open space. They can stick with the norms of the social distancing six feet. I've got one firm that's more comfortable with 10 feet apart. You have to kind of think about it in terms of your premise planning. What, what can you accommodate? Maybe it's more than 50% just depending on that configuration, but suggesting to start there, think about how many people that is where they're going to be working in proximity to each other. And can you safely provide that workplace of that number of people. Now the office space, the cubicle space, some firms have bullpens, trading desks. We're gonna need to rethink that. And do you have the space to accommodate moving into this kind of new normal of how many people can you really fit? The, The other consideration to think about is your common workspace areas, bullpen or trading area, as well as kitchen, break room, the bathroom setup. Some firms you have to go out of the actual office and you share bathrooms with other companies that are on that floor. Maybe you have all your own private bathroom space, but all of that has to be figured out before you can actually get to who's coming back. Start with how many do you think you can safely accommodate?
1: Kelly, we have a small kitchen at our offices and and when I say small, there's no way to be six feet apart from somebody with if you're in that space. So are we going to have like lines on the ground like they have at Costco and Home Depot where you have to wait six feet apart?
3: That's what we have to work through. Or is it where you can actually schedule breaks? That may seem a little daunting for firms. Now, wait a minute, I'm going to have to schedule people to go in and grab their lunch out of the refrigerator. But we do have to think through how that's going to work. So maybe you can accommodate a larger number than 50%. But again, those public areas, the conference room, how many people can the conference room accommodate? Keeping the six feet social distancing. Does your um, phone system work for that social distancing? I ran into that with a client. They were all seated six feet apart and we couldn't hear them because of the where the speakers were and the phones didn't reach far enough. You really want to be thinking through those kinds of considerations and just what needs to happen with the workspace to keep it once people are back inside. I keep thinking of we're going to have to really dial up the janitorial services and keeping the workplace clean and safe.
1: That leads me to the next set of questions. And uh, those are some great points because I didn't even think about the common spaces. I was really thinking about the desk spaces. but What else should we be thinking about once we're able to get into our own office in terms of safety and social distancing like frequency of cleaning?
3: This is going to be challenging because, again, you have to decide what works for you within what CDC is telling us, what your governors are telling you, what your state and local. I live in Marin County, which is just north of the Golden Gate Bridge in the San Francisco Bay Area. And we've we literally joke and say we've been in lockdown since March 16th. We figured out as a community we're really uh very compliant. Everybody's just done what they've told us to do. People have come into our county and not done what they're supposed to do. But we're in a community where people are things are very restricted here. So you do want to figure out what are those guidelines locally where your offices are. But do you have masks? So masks are something that are now a part of our culture, whether we like that or not. And there's some people that are resisting that. And we're going to get to a moment like who comes back to work and how you go through that decision tree. But do you have their masks? Do you have enough hand sanitizer? These kinds of things, supplies, have to all be worked through. I was on the phone with one of my good friends here in Marin County who operates a very large REA firm. And he's busily trying to track down supplies to make sure that he's working in coordination with the building owners, that's another consideration. Do you own the building you're operating? You know, a lot of uh, advisory firms do. That's going to be much easier to navigate in some respects. But do you also need to follow some protocols with the office management or the owners of the building that that you're working in? That's why I kind of call it phase one with your workspace. Mm -hmm. What can you accommodate safely and in a healthy way and think through the normal course of a day, like you're saying, David, you know, where, where are people going to need ordinarily would congregate? How do we make sure that isn't happening? What are sort of those rules of engagement socially once we're, we're all back in the same office space?
1: Yes, going to the office may both figuratively and literally look a lot different. I hadn't even considered it so much of what you're saying. Before COVID, there was a push by many companies to create more open and collaborative workspaces. Even we were thinking of on one side of our building going to like almost benches that they call where it's very open, very collaborative with fewer offices and cubicle walls. And this is all going to be shared space. And I wonder what the future will look like. What do you think?
3: I think it's, I think it's a great, it's a great point. I think one of the things we're going to want to do once again, I'm trying to keep this somewhat simple. Let's call it phase one. We're going to learn a lot in this first phase of being back at work. And then I think we're going to have to ask our folks for their ideas, what they're comfortable with. I think this is a great opportunity for creativity and innovation. We're being challenged and we can't do things the same way we used to, but that creates this really unique opportunity to improve. I think we're gonna have to get input and feedback because first and foremost, if you don't take away anything else from our podcast today, you need to create an environment that everybody is comfortable with. And there's gonna be different levels of comfort that people have with this situation because still so much is unknown asking people and communicating and getting input and ideas are really going to be the key to creating this this workplace of the future that that will continue to create collaborations so one vision i have is okay so conference rooms aren't going to be big enough to accommodate team meetings group meetings you know you may have to rotate who's in the room face-to-face, and then who's sitting at their computer in a cubicle or in an yes. office participating. So you're going to have people in in the actual room and people who aren't that far away from you in the same office, but they're on their their computer because the, the actual conference room can't accommodate it. And then rotating that in terms of, okay, it's my, my turn to be in the room. It's my turn to be in the Zoom room, if we want to call it that, or whatever WebEx that you're using. I think Technology is going to be the key to that. Where maybe before we thought of things, what's the construction of the cubicle wall or the desk? Now we're going to be thinking of, okay, so how does technology fit in here? How is technology going to make the work space itself more collaborative and engaging, yet keeping us safe?
2: Right, and I can see a whole lot of political issues, you know, with what you just put forth, which is a very likely scenario where some folks say, "Well, I haven't been in the room for the last three meetings. Am I not important?" There's that whole other aspect. So these are really challenging times, making us think about things we've never even have to had to consider in the past. Kelly, how are you counseling your clients? I mean, you talked about a potential bringing 50% of the staff back. I guess the number of questions from that who what are the roles but also from a risk management standpoint as well as a human management standpoint how should they consider deciding who comes back and, and when.
3: I think the place to start is once you you have this idea of the number what what's the number of employees that were comfortable in phase 1 again think about phasing it in. And and maybe with the phase one, it's almost think about, from a trait and characteristic standpoint, who are your most fearless employees? (laughs) Who are the ones that don't back down from change and innovation? And who, when you think of the word fearless, their face pops up. And I'm I'm kind of making um, a little fun out of it, but I, I do mean that. I think you have to think about the traits, the characteristics, and the personality of who's back first. That's definitely a component of it. But what are the positions that are most required to be there in person? And by now, I'm sure we've figured out what those are because we've been working remotely. And obviously, at least from everything I hear, that is going extremely well. As a matter of fact, the productivity is higher then at least the firms that I'm speaking to and the networking that I've done seems to be surprisingly higher than what people thought. And in some cases, higher than what it was before. And just to go off on that for just a moment, that I think is largely due to the fact that as much as we miss each other and we've got technology to help us collaborate and engage Uh, with each other, people just don't have as much social time, right? You can, you don't have a lot of that chit chat and how you doing going on during the day that helps people, people more focused and on point. And, And the other thing is we're all juggling a lot right now. Some, some of us have kids at home, some of us don't, but regardless, you have to really be focused in the time you have committed to working to get everything done. So I think that's really something that, you wanna think about in terms of back to who really needs to be in the office. Are there positions that, even though it worked well enough, these are the positions that you feel have to be in the office. Are they the trader positions if you have those? Are they the client service associate folks who are making sure all the money movement is happening and the paperwork's getting done? But determine who who really needs to be there, and that's the place I would start first. And then, as I mentioned, I think you have to individually talk to each person. No pun intended, but take their temperature. How how do they feel about going back to the office? How is that going to work for them, given all the other things they're juggling? Now, one firm I work with has decided, if you have to get on public transportation and commute into the office, then you're not in phase one. We don't want you to have to deal with a public... A public transportation system that's still trying to get back on its feet. And we don't want you to be unnecessarily exposed trying to get to and from work. So that could be another item on your checklist. Who has to commute using public transportation? As my advisor said, if you don't have your own car and can't drive to and from work, then you're not in phase one. But I think we have to be clear with someone if that's the part of the determination that it's not because we don't want you here. It's because we don't want you to put yourself at unnecessary risk right now when your job can still be done at home. And I am a public transportation uh, taker, and I I didn't even think of that. Again, it just, the
2: considerations just multiply the more you talk about this. And my kids are older now, but there are going to be plenty of working parents that have, no options for daycare. When my children were little, I had the backup of grandma. Well, that's probably not an option anymore. What other considerations should firms be thinking about?
3: I think you make a really good point. The advisor industry for a change might be on the cutting edge where I think we've worked really well in this remote this remote environment. And I think getting back to work will go very successfully for firms as well. So we may be ready to do that, all these considerations we're talking about, but the school system isn't ready, right? This is where things aren't necessarily as coordinated. Public transportation, schools, daycare, these things do, they may trail, I guess is what I'm saying, where we are, but they have to be considerations on the list or we're going to be putting the cart before the horse. People are going to be saying, well, wait a minute, how am I going to be get back at work when you know, I'm supposed to be still homeschooling my children? Let's talk to people and ask them. Maybe you can try the approach of having people volunteer. For example, one of the employees at one of the firms I'm working with right now, she's desperate to get back to work <laughs> just because she's tired of being home. She's got a sister, actually, that she lives with that um, won't leave her alone all day long. And she's just like, please, please let me get back to work. So I think you have to think about who really is comfortable with it and asking people what what is their concerns about coming back to work. You're going to uncover some things there that maybe um, at this point haven't even been suggested. And then you're going to have people that really want to stay working remotely. And that has to be thought through. Maybe now you, it's hard to say no. I mean, I had a conversation with someone who said, well, my team is so excited because prior to this, I was not open to people working remotely. And now they feel like they've showed me because it's worked so well. I think that it obviously is going to change the hearts and
2: minds you would think of, of many people that weren't open to it in the past especially given that if their teams have been productive and, and contributing during this time, which hopefully they they have been.
3: Yeah, and I think the other thing to think about as you ease back into people coming to work is whose position has changed now as a result of this, what roller roles aren't gonna be the same? And the one that's sort of obvious is that receptionist, admin assistant, the concierge of first impressions, whatever, the person who's greeting your clients when they come in, the person who's receiving packages and mail and deliveries, cleaning up the conference rooms and making sure your best client's favorite coffee is, is waiting for them when they arrive. That role is going to change right now, at least. And so we want to think about as you bring people back, is there something that's changed as a result of all this, their role, and then how, and how are you going to utilize them? So for example, in that, in that admin assistant role in the working remote world, that person has actually been helping the client service team. Now that means cross-training, that means getting up to speed on technology, but that person has actually been quite helpful. Is that what they continue to do when they're back in the office? And one kind of caution around this, don't make that person be the person that has to go around every two hours cleaning the doorknobs and the countertops because that person might not be comfortable doing that. And it's just my opinion and advice that you can get a service to do that. I wouldn't necessarily earmark one employee to do all of that cleaning up of the workplace. I think that needs to be delegated to the professionals. And again, we want to be sensitive to how people are feeling in this time and what they're comfortable doing.
1: Kelly, this has been a fantastic conversation. And I'm thinking in my own life as a manager. Going back to what you were saying about your employees working from home, I have told people that I would be w- willing to have my whole team work, continue to work from home if that's what they wanted. There's obviously some considerations, like you said. I have one individual whose mother lives with them and she's elderly, so that is going to take precedence of whether she comes in in that first wave or second wave or comes in at all. And then you have another individual who is living on their own and they can't wait to get back to the office. So I I hear you on that. We've talked about the immediate, what we're seeing is the immediate need for advisors, but there are concerns that after we get all settled again, that there could be some more change that the virus may return in the fall. So having a combination of remote staff may be helpful should we need to shelter in place again. Are you having conversations about ongoing resiliency planning?
3: Absolutely. I think if nothing else that we've learned from all this is we need to be planning ahead. We need to be prepared for even a scenario that doesn't seem possible because that's what we're living through right now. Even today, when you get the employees that raise their hand and want to come back in what we'll call phase one, there needs to be almost a checklist of how they're feeling physically. And I think right now it's all about temperature. That's one of the indicators, but we're going to have to be really dil- diligent if someone isn't feeling well, has any kind of a little tickle in their throat or developing a cough or a headache that lasts them more than a few hours, like stay home, just stay home work from home if you physically are capable, or this is where we need to revisit our sick leave policies. We need to encourage people to stay home when they're not feeling well. And that's not that's not been our culture. That's not been our society. We have to make that the norm. We have to make that okay for folks and not feel that somehow they're going to be penalized and it's going to be a black mark on their record. And also just when we do get back to travel, I think for right now most firms are no business travel, no travel obviously, but when that starts to ramp back up, I think we need to know where people are going, whether it's personal or business travel. And then we need to make some decisions about when they return if quarantining is necessary. I had a client who right before this all blew up, so to speak, went to see her parents in South Korea. And when she came back, this was all happening in real time. And they talked to her about it. And she quarantined for 14 days. Employees were really concerned. They knew she had been to South Korea and they were concerned how the firm was going to be handling that. Those are the kinds of situations, as we get back to uh, some semblance of, of a normal life again, we're going to have to be really open and communicate with each other about our plans, where we're going, what we're doing, so that we can all feel comfortable and make it okay. So those two weeks, that wasn't vacation time. We're quarantining. She was working from home and didn't feel like somehow she was penalized for it. I think we're just going to have to be open and flexible with each other. First and foremost, care about each other, put each other first. And I think that will help us get through this transition that, to your point, is going to last not just a couple of weeks, but potentially a number of months. Thinking about how we move forward with this, I think really first and foremost, it's a planning exercise. You're planners. This is what you do really well. Think of it that way and, and also get, get collaboration from other folks on your team to think through what are the right next steps and approach it from that standpoint, making a plan. And I think in that, if you think about it in that framework, it will seem a lot less daunting to you. Kelly, thank you so much. And I want to let our audience know that
2: Kelly has offered to work with us to create a checklist for you as you begin to plan your return back to the physical office. Uh, If you haven't already, please visit us on www.flexshares.com. In the right-hand navigation bar, there's an item called Briefs. If you click on Briefs, you'll find a lot more practice management content, and we'll put together a summary of this podcast with a link to a checklist. Look for that in the next couple weeks. And thank you, everyone, for joining us on the Flexible Advisor Podcast.
0: Thank you for listening to the Flexible Advisor podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest, and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds or Northern Trust. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foreside Fund Services, LLC Distributor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Although we attempt to keep the information complete and current, we do not warrant that the content herein is accurate, complete, or current. We make no commitment to update the content herein. It is your responsibility to verify any information before relying on it. The content of this podcast may include technical inaccuracies. We may make changes in the products and or services described herein at any time. We provide you this information with the understanding that we are not rendering accounting, legal, or tax advice please consult your legal or tax advisor concerning such matters.